And uh, we're going to come to God's Word now. So if you've got a Bible near you, this should be one on your table, or if you've got it on your phone, then uh, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes tonight, and we're in chapter 9. So you've got a Red Church Bible, it's on page 676. And if you're looking for it in your own Bible, it's just past Psalms and Proverbs around the middle. Um, and if you hit Isaiah, you've gone too far. So Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And we're going to read from verse 1 uh, down to verse 12. So I reflected on all this and clung concluded that righteous that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them all share a common destiny the righteous and the wicked the good and the bad the clean and the unclean those who offer sacrifices and those who do not as it is with the good so with the sinful as it is with those who take oaths so it is with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterwards they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further rewards, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For the, in the realm of the dead, where you are going... There is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare. So people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Let's pray for Dan as he comes and speaks to us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. Thank you for all that you have to teach us through your words. Lord God, I pray that you'd open our hearts, open our minds, give us concentration as we listen this evening. Lord, I thank you for Dan and the time he spent preparing this week. Lord, now as he opens up your word, I pray that you'd speak through him, fill him with your Holy Spirit. Use him, equip him now with everything that he needs. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, James. Thank you, youth band, for leading us. Now, first, but if you want to keep your Bibles open 
in front of you as we go through that passage together this evening. Well, it's Christmas Day. You run down the stairs, ready to open your presents, when you see standing upright by the Christmas tree, your first ever bike. You are over the moon at this gift. It's red, it's got a thunderbolt down the side for added speed, it's got a bell, it's got lights. But the thing is, being this being your first bike, uh, well, you don't know how to ride it. And I mean, you can enjoy this gift in other ways. I mean, you can, you can start spinning the wheels round and round. You can flash the lights. You can ring the bell. You can even sit on the bike and pretend like you're riding it. But ultimately, we're not going to enjoy it to its fullest until we learn how to enjoy it well. Until we learn how to ride. And well, once we learn that, once we've learned how to enjoy it well, well, that's when the gift brings us most joy. When it's most pleasing to the one who's received it and most pleasing to the one who's given it. And, you know, the same thing can be said when we talk about all the good gifts that God has given us. Because that's the heartbeat of our passage this evening. God has given us good gifts to enjoy. And just like receiving the bike, well, needing to know how to enjoy that gift, it's so important that as we live in this world, as we receive on a a daily basis all the good things from God's hand, that we know how to enjoy them. And tonight we're going to focus on verse verses 7 to 10 of our passage, because that that is the heartbeat. That's where the teacher wants us to get to this evening. But surrounding our passage is almost a summary of what we've seen in Ecclesiastes so far. Uh, You see in chapter 9, verses 1 to 6, the teacher again shows us how, verse 3, the same destiny overtakes all. He shows us that no matter who we are, we will ultimately share the same experience, the same fate. We all, our time on earth comes to an end. Death is always ahead. And then on the other side, chapter 9, verse 11 to 12, the teacher shows us the uncertainty of life. And how, verse 11, just because you're strong, well, it doesn't mean you're always going to win the battle. Uh, Just because you're gifted, it doesn't mean you'll always be rich in life. And just because you're clever, well, that doesn't mean that everything will work out in your favor. Life is so unexpected, the teacher says. And that is so true. Uh, Because it's not wrong, is it, to to plan things in life. Um, But when has anything ever gone the way you've actually planned it? I mean, I think in my life, nothing turned out the way I planned it. Hardly ever. Life is so unpredictable. Things hit us out of the blue. Think about everything we are experiencing right now in the world around us. Our circumstances change in an instant. We don't get to see the bigger perspective of what God is doing. And yet it's in this context 
This context where the teacher shows us first the shortness of life and then afterwards the uncertainty of life, that the teacher in the middle gives us an insight on how, therefore, we are to live our lives. And it's the conclusion that the teacher comes to again and again in Ecclesiastes, as we saw last week. You see, firstly, how we're to live, we've seen so far that we're to live looking to the future, remembering that the best is yet to come. There is, there is a hope for us in the future that Christ will bring. Every right will be made wrong. God will bring judgment and justice to this world. And life in all of its glory is ahead for those who know and love Jesus. But... Actually, the other part of how we're to live now in this fallen and this uncertain and short life that we have is, well, we enjoy it. And that might seem a bit strange. It might sound a bit far off from us with everything that's going on at the minute. But that's what we're going to see this evening. That's what we see in this next part in Ecclesiastes. And as we go through, there are two points for us this evening. As we go through, the first one is God gives good gifts. God gives good gifts. Because in this section, in Ecclesiastes verse 7 to 10, you know, historians recognize that this is very similar to other ancient pieces of writing that existed at the time. Uh, one of them was called the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, which was written, we think, in 2,000 years before Jesus was born at the time of Abraham. And the Epic of Gilgamesh says this. It should come up on the screen. It says, Gilgamesh, fill your belly. Day and night make merry. Let days be full of joy. Dance and make music day and night. And wear fresh clothes. And wash your head and bathe. Look at the child that is holding your hand and let your wife delight in your embrace. These things alone are the concern of men. And it's not just this epic of Gilgamesh's poem that was written in ancient times, but also historians have found uh, ancient Egyptian funeral poetry that sounds very similar uh, to what we see in Ecclesiastes uh, verses 7 to 10. But, But what does that mean then? What does it mean that the teacher has decided to use these ideas, these things found in poems elsewhere, and bring it into his wisdom? What does that mean? Well, uh, do you know, uh, the reason behind why is not in the ways that they are similar, but actually in the ways that they are different. You see, the clear difference when you compare these pieces of writing written in ancient times and this part of Ecclesiastes is that the teacher, when listing out all the things that are good gifts in life, he mentions God. He brings God into the picture when these other ancient poems, they don't. They don't recognize that. And it's almost like the teacher in Ecclesiastes is saying that behind all of the good things in life that we have, Well, we enjoy them and we have them because there is a God behind it all as the one who gives them. Verse 9 in our passage this evening, look with me, it says, All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you, everything we have is a result of it being given by God, the teacher says. And you know, that's something that especially as Christians that... 
we know and we agree with, but it's something that it's, it can be hard at times to, to process and to, to realize day to day. Uh, you know, in one sense, we drive down to the supermarkets uh, in our cars uh, and we pick off the strawberry jam ourselves and we push our trolleys to the supermarket to the supermarket checkouts where we pay for our food with our money and then we get back in our car drive back to our home and then we cook it ourselves to eat it and maybe the epic of Gilgamesh maybe some people would say how on earth has God given you any of that when I've done all the work But do you know, you see, if we go through it with an Ecclesiastes mindset, well, actually, it changes things. And so I drive down to the supermarket in my car that actually God has provided by providing the crude oil that is transformed into petrol that fuels me on my way to the supermarket. And I pick off the shelf my strawberry jam that God has provided and given to me by caring and nurturing every single strawberry that is in that jam jar for me to have. And then I push my trolley to the checkout and pay for it with money that God has provided by giving me the strength and giving me the breath to do my work so that I can get that money to pay for the food and then I take it back home and cook it on the hob in the oven using electricity and gas that hasn't just come out of anywhere but that God has given us through harnessing creation's resources and using God's given laws of physics that our kettles could be boiled that our ovens could be heated that we could have food it does change everything and God really has given us everything God has given us everything. And you know, ultimately our passage points us to the most amazing truth that our God is a God who gives. Our God is a God who gives. He gives us life. You know, we sung that song, didn't we, before? It's your breath in our lungs. He's given us breath, life, everything. And ultimately this evening, we know that God gives Because he's given us the best thing we could ever have. He's given us his son, hasn't he? Romans 8 verse 31 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also graciously give us all things? If we were looking and needing any more proof this evening that God gives good gifts, well, look to Jesus. And see how he, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, has given us all here an opportunity to know life, to know forgiveness, to know a hope that surpasses it all into the future. God gives good gifts. God gives good gifts. But secondly, and finally this evening, God gives good gifts for us to enjoy. For us to enjoy. Uh, read with verse 7 with me. It says, Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your heads with oil. 
Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Do you know, the teacher says, remembering our context of these verses, the teacher says, in light of the shortness of life, in light of the uncertainty of life that surrounds, well, go and enjoy God's good gifts that he's given to you. Go and have a nice meal. Have a drink of wine. Clothe yourself in white. Anoint your head with oil. Uh, Those are supposedly images of comfort. Clothing yourself in white in a hot climate reflects heat, so keeps you cool. And anointing your head with oil, well, that's just apparently a nice thing to do back then. Um, A bit like going to the spa. But anyway, it's a a comfort thing. And, And the teacher shows us not only that, but the gifts of relationships. That of marriage, life with your wife. And uh, yeah, I don't think the teacher was a romantic type. He says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of your meaningless life. You don't hear that read out at weddings uh, much. <laughs> but do you know, and that's not just the relationships in marriage, but the relationships with our friends, our families, that the, the people that he's put around us. The teacher sees the things in this world, the things that are good things, They're firstly given by God, they're from his hand, but secondly, God's given them that we might enjoy them. Did you notice that that is what he says, what the teacher says alongside each of the gifts that he lists? He says, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with all. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. God has given these things that we might enjoy them, that we might be blessed in using and receiving them from his hand. And, and you know, it's, it's hard, isn't it, as Christians? It can be hard as Christians to know how to put this into practice. Because often, firstly, there can be this sense in, in our minds where we can often feel so guilty for maybe enjoying things. Uh, do you know that uh, there's a book by Jackie Pullinger called uh, Chasing the Dragon? And it's a story of how uh, Jackie went from England in the 1960s over to Hong Kong in what was uh, the most notorious and arguably the most dangerous place in the world back then, the walled city in Hong Kong, uh, notorious for its drugs and its gang violence at that time. And she went in there to uh, talk about Jesus. Amazing things happened there. But in her story, uh, Jackie recounts the time where she meets these missionaries in Hong Kong. And she, she tells uh, in her book what she learned about enjoying God's gifts. And she says this in her book. She says, they taught me, that's the missionaries, they taught me that God's good things were to be enjoyed, which surprised me. As I've been brought up to believe that missionaries should always have the least of everything. And it was virtuous to live in rags. The Willans had been through tough times of great poverty too. But when they had beautiful possessions, they took real pleasure in them, but were equally ready to give everything away, if so directed. Maybe that's why they were so fun to be with, she says. They had learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And yet it can also be hard for maybe Christians to enjoy God's good things, not just in enjoying them enough, but actually enjoying them in the wrong way. When good things become God things. Uh, do you know, I saw an advert a while back by uh, three 
uh, mobile network and they launched this advert on TV uh, and the slogan at the end, their marketing slogan was hashtag phones are good. And at the end of the advert, there's this really subtle change where the person doing the voiceover says phones are good, but what you see on the screen is a slight change that three have put in. And instead of saying phones are good, they say phones are God. And it's such a subtle change, and you hardly notice it, but it's a huge point, right? That good things can so easily change to become God things to us. When things that are meant to draw us closer to God actually take us further away from him. You know, for example, work. You know, work can be frustrating, it can be tiring. uh, But it's listed here, verse 11 in Ecclesiastes, as as something good that God's given. Uh, You know, work is good. It gives us purpose, it gives us drive, motivation uh, each day. It provides us with money to look after ourselves and to look after our families. And yet, although it's good, it can so easily become God to chase and pursue greatness and success with all of the time that we have that ultimately ends up detrimental to ourselves physically, detrimental to those around us, those closest, our family, our friends. But ultimately in our relationship with God, we become consumed with work and we slowly become less consumed with love and a desire to know God more and more. Good can so easily become God's. And therefore the question really is, how then do we enjoy God's good things in a way that doesn't riddle ourselves with guilt for enjoying them, but in a way that good things don't become God things? Well, the answer I think the Bible pushes us towards this evening is, well, be grateful and give God glory. Because ultimately what Ecclesiastes has done is remind us that everything we have is from the hand of God. It's his provision. And so therefore, just like we would thank anyone else for giving us something, or to let our lives be lives of grateful thanks, to let it fuel our prayers in the morning, that when we wake up and we just think about even this day that God has given us, a new day, Let's rejoice and be glad in the day that God has made, the psalm said. Thinking about everything and every one that God has given to us. And so tomorrow morning, uh, when we wake up and we're enjoying our warm, smooth bowl of porridge uh, with a drizzle of honey on top and a, a sliced banana stirred in with chia seeds poured on. You know what I'm having for breakfast tomorrow. Um, but we're, we're having that. And we're about to enjoy it. Well, we enjoy it by giving thanks. And we're we're thanking God for that meal. And we're recognizing that this is from his hand. And we pray at the start, you know. And and it's not, you know, praying at the start, giving thanks. Not this kind of legalistic giving thanks that, you know, as Christians, if we don't say it, well, our food's going to taste bad when we have it. And we try and rush through it as quick as possible because we're really hungry. But actually letting that that grace, that giving thanks for what we have in front of us be, be a real act of worship. You know, God's given me this. This is from his hand. He sovereignly made a way for me to receive this, for me to be around the people that I am. 
letting what God has given become our worship to him in everything that we enjoy during the day. And therefore, ultimately, our response is one of bringing God glory through what he's given us. You know, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And you know, one book that I would heartily recommend if you want to look more into how to use and to enjoy the things that God has given us is one that's written by Joe Rigney. Uh, It's called The Things of Earth, uh, Treasuring God by Enjoying His Gifts. And towards the end of this book, uh, Joe writes this. He says, the great privilege of man, humanity, is to receive everything that God gives in all the ways that he gives it. And then to know it, enjoy it, and delight in it, and to sing about it, and to know him in it, and to enjoy him in it, and to sing about him in it. And so, do you know, as we live our lives this week around those that God has placed around us, we'll let our lives be that that point and reflect the truth that everything we have, every breath that we take, every good thing that we have is graciously and generously given by God, revealing the incredible and the wonderful truth that God is a God who gives. It's all grace. And tonight we ultimately know that by God giving us the best thing we could ever have, his son, the Lord Jesus. And that we might not just stop singing at the porridge that we have, or the strawberry jam that we have, or the jobs that we have, or the people that are around us, but ultimately it leaves us singing and enjoying him, the Lord Jesus, the best thing God gives Well, we're going to take some time now to look at a few questions around our tables and uh, to to have a time of discussion, to answer them in our groups. Um, And then there'll be a time of prayer and James will lead us there. But why don't we, there we go, questions on the screen. Why don't we take time now to discuss those around our tables?